You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you, you just, just want to ask your mom. mom. Welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And I'm Renee Sproles. And this is part of our series called Cultivate, which we're always saying it's so much better to elevate and cultivate what you are looking for in your children, their virtues, rather than squashing what you don't want, the vices. And with that in mind, we thought we'd take some time to talk about a few of the virtues that you can cultivate in your kids through the years. Right. And this week, as we approach Christmas where we hear presents, presents, presents all the time, we're going to talk about generosity. And what definition of that word is the quality or fact of being plentiful or large? And I love that image because it conveys this sense of being unlimited and overflowing, which is exactly like our Father, full of grace, bestowing gifts without restraint, eager to give and to bless. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. Well, we've just had Thanksgiving holidays here in the U.S. So you know how it is during the holidays when your plate is full because you're trying to sample some of everything. And your grandma or maybe your mom steps in and gives you a big spoonful of mashed, po- mashed potatoes. We call that a generous helping of potatoes or a generous slice of pie after that. You get the picture. It's bigger than needed, more than necessary, over and above. Well, that's exactly the virtue that we want to cultivate in ourselves and in our children. And why? Well, because God tells us to be generous. That's right. Just among other things, Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Then there's 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Mm-hmm, I love that one. In Luke 21, 1 through 4, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Right, and finally, Malachi 3.10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. That's one of our very favorite verses, David and I. Um, The context of that one is... The Israelites are saying, like, we don't have enough. We're, our crops are failing. Our animals are not thriving. And he's like, you want to know why? Hmm. Because you've been stealing from me. And they're like, how have we stolen from you? And he's like, you're not giving me a tenth of all that I've given you because everything is mine. Hmm. You're only stewarding it. So it's just such a really cool principle. And he says, you're just not trusting me. Right. Bring that in and let me and see if I don't just open up heaven. One of the only places in the scripture that God tells us to actually test him. I know it. I love See it. See if he will. But why does God want us to be generous? Well, firstly, because his commands are always engineered for our good, but also because there are physical and social benefits to generosity. Yeah. So again, uh, we said this in another podcast, the 
the ancient people of the earth did not know that they were receiving these physical and social benefits in terms of having studies, double blind studies and all these things. (laughs) But um, if they obeyed what they saw in scripture, they were getting these benefits. So the first one is giving makes you feel happy. All right, you intuitively know this, but your brain's pleasure circuits are actually stimulated by acts of charity and they release good feeling chemicals like endorphins, which give you a sense of euphoria. There's more. There's oxytocin, which promotes tranquility and inner peace. There's serotonin, which is a mood mediating chemical. It releases dopamine, a feel good chemical. Um, so all of these are really important for our well being. Yeah, they're all going to make you feel good anyway. Giving is good for your health. Stress is the catalyst for, I think they're saying around 90% now of all health issues, which is crazy. That is crazy. Giving has been proven to decrease blood pressure and reduce stress. Supportive interaction with others also helps people recover from coronary-related events, and this reduction promotes longer life and better health. Yeah, and giving promotes social connection. So studies show that when you give to others, your generosity is often continued down the line to someone else or returned to you, and this just strengthens our ties to each other. Mm -hmm. Unlike a lot of virtues, giving is contagious. So when one person gives, it inspires others to do the same when you're in the fast food line and you pay it forward at Chick-fil-A. I love doing that. Yeah, it's like how, how many cars in a row can you yeah. keep paying it forward? So yeah, giving out of abundance. There's, there's two different kind of ways to think about this because we see examples of giving out of abundance, which reminds us to be grateful. See our previous podcast on cultivating gratitude for that. But then there's also giving out of lack, like the widow in Luke 21, where we're giving as an act of faith or courage we're giving kind of till it hurts, not where it's comfortable. Right. So um, just something to ponder there because I think a lot of times, um, I know I had thought about it this way, that I could be generous when I had enough to spare. Exactly. And that's true. Mm-hmm. You can, and there's there's places for that. But then there's also a place for the Luke 21 moment where you're giving out of uh, what you would actually need for yourself. Being generous when you don't have enough to yeah. spare yeah. and having faith that it's going to be okay anyway. Right, right. Right. I think um, gratitude and generosity are probably cousins in a way. So when we freely share, it's out of this sense of abundance of what we've been given and a trust that we're not going to be left without. God's going to get us anyway, like the loaves and fishes. Yeah, somehow it's going to multiply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and generosity is an important social skill because it helps us be more empathetic and build positive relationships and make responsible decisions and be involved in our communities. Exactly. Just so many things. Such benefits. I love a good fundraiser. The older I get, the more I'm like, this is great. Look at everybody in the community coming together. Showing up. To bless other people. Yeah. A lot of times people you'll never even meet. Mm-hmm. That's right. So good. So let's talk about the concept of sharing. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Something every kid loves, every mom loves to teach to their children. (laughs) If you have more than one child, you already recognize that generosity or sharing is not always easy. According to some research, this is a result of the impulse control part of the brain being underdeveloped. Kids can be like those famous seagulls in the movie Finding Nemo. Mine, 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 mine. Okay, that's actually comforting to know that there's a little brain development thing going on here. 
And I think we've mentioned on our podcast before that demanding our kids share with others maybe isn't the best approach to teaching this skill, that it really is just a learned behavior. Yeah, explain that a little bit. Okay, well, with toddlers, everything in their realm is potentially in the mind category. So we're going to have to teach them that some things, maybe many things, are not actually theirs. Yes, that's a health and safety basic issue, plus respecting the property of others. Yeah, so the knife drawer... Off limits. Yeah. Granddad's glasses. Yeah. Don't touch those. Uh, Your iPhone. Not for you. The lipstick in your purse. (laughs) Try again. (laughs) (laughs) Under the bathroom sink. The dog dish. What's on your neighbor's plate at dinner time? I mean, there's just so many things. Right. And and you've got siblings and they have their own space. Maybe they have their own room. That's going to extend to their siblings' toys or special objects, Mm -hmm. too. Yep. So some things we do have in common in a household and some things are actually special and off limits for safety reasons. But we do all have this dominion sensor that we've talked about on here before Mm -hmm. that can be violated and should be respected. So this just goes back to Genesis 1 where God tells Adam and Eve to exercise dominion over the earth. Be fruitful and multiply and exercise dominion. We that's why your yard typically looks better than a public park. Right. Because it's your dominion. You're having, you're responsible for it. So we have this inside of all of us, this impulse, but we do need to direct it, be sure we're rightly thinking about it. So do kids have to like share everything, Bonnie? No, you may love having people over to your house, which is awesome. You should, you should Mm -hmm. have hospitality Uh, and you want to be the house that all the kids feel comfortable in which is great. So you're being generous with your property. You're sharing what you have, but you really don't want your kids' friends to come in and rummage through your nightstand. I don't. I know. Seriously. No. uh -uh. (laughs) So there's still this sense of respecting other people's property, and there are some limits to where they can and can't go. So what we're talking about here is teaching your kids to ask one another before grabbing or using things that belong to somebody else. And if an older child doesn't want to share that minute, well, I think it's okay to make the kid wait. I do too. And a lot of times we don't just to keep the peace because that younger one's going to throw a fit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, if you've taught the older child what the concept of sharing is and how good it is or whatever, maybe it's a special object and they can say no. And they don't have to say no. Yeah. But they can say, (laughs) you know, this is mine and it's special to me and I'm going to put it up. But let's play with something else. Give them an alternative. Right, right. Um, And you can debrief later you know I, I I do remember being disappointed when one of my kids didn't want to share with the other one and I knew they probably should but I I generally let them make that call when it was a special thing and if yeah because if they know the principle and the concept and you're constantly intervening saying you got to share you got to share make sure you give that to your little brother um it kind of derails their own ability to show you that they they know what to do and that can actually do it. Yeah, it's sort of stealing their joy where like maybe, maybe next time they yeah. might have done it because you intervened. Now it's like, ugh, yeah, I don't really want to do that I don't want to do that now. <laughs> so let them have a little bit of the freedom to exercise their, yeah, their knowledge. Yeah, and you can just say, so capabilities. How, does, how does it feel when you keep everything to yourself? Mm. You know, a lot of times if they're not being compelled to share, older kids will do so willingly once they've been taught how to do this and when you see them do it what do you do for goodness sake (laughs) praise them yes for their generosity and kindness and use those words point it out Mm -hmm. point it out so when you're teaching your older child to share the younger ones watching 
there's a domino effect here and they're learning that we can respect other people other people matter and so do their things mm-hmm. and generally if you're you know if you have a lot of things in your household in common generally younger children will share mm-hmm. you know you're your toddler often will turn to you with a half-eaten cookie and offer you a bite, right? (laughs) You don't really want it, but they're going to give it to you anyway. They kind of have that natural, yeah, here, Mommy, you have Mm -hmm. some. But if you try to grab that cookie away from them, oh, they're going to... The dominion sensor goes off. Yeah, not good. Not for you. So there's so much joy in giving. You know this, moms. And so a great way to kind of get this down into your child's soul and spirit and not just sitting up in the top of their brain is to read great books read some good stories about how generosity brings joy and the blessing of giving to others so what's some good good oh, books there's so many great ones just google them but uh, little robin's christmas by jan fernley or pass it on by sophie hen um, talk about the joy of giving we had a whole basket at christmas um, full of christmas children's books and they'd get one book a year one Christmas book a year for a while when they were kids on Christmas Eve and we'd read a couple each day in the month of December and so many of them as you can imagine are about you know the gift of the magi the gift of the nativity all of those things um are awesome yeah, stories what, what was that book uh, it was like a short story where the guy bought the comb for his wife and she sold the, the hair gift of the magi. The, uh-huh. okay, was that the gift of the magi uh-huh. yeah I, I was that one always got me yeah, it's like, oh, I know. Sacrificial if giving. I know, I know. So good. Um, and then practice giving with your kids. So bring your kids with you when you shop for the angel tree or when you donate coats or when you go buy toys for tots or for Samaritan's Purse or any other charity. Our church in Indianapolis had an adopt a kid drive for some families in Haiti. And our kids were just the right age, um, early elementary and preschool. And we chose a girl about Emma's age and a boy about Houston's age. And we put their pictures on our fridge and we prayed for them. We could send them gifts through this particular charity, which was kind of fun to go shopping. Um, It was all things that our kids could tangibly do, Mm -hmm. write them letters and things like that. And then after we read George Mueller's biography, we also prayed for God to help us give generously beyond our means. And and if you don't know George Mueller, like walk, do not run to your local bookstore <laughs> and get that book or get pull your phone up right now and order it on Amazon. He prayed in millions of dollars in today's currency for the orphans that he was supporting. And he never asked anyone for money. We can all do that. Yeah. And we just decided to do that Malachi 3, test God and see. See what he's going to give you. And, um, yeah. and so we, we spent, uh, I guess it was the fall, four months doing that. And we were able to do some really cool giving that was way beyond what we could have done otherwise. Mm-hmm. So lots right. of options, parents. So look locally in your own communities. There, I'm sure there are many, many opportunities for giving that you may not even be aware of. Here locally, we have the Journey Home for Homeless and Disadvantaged Adults. Lots of nursing homes have wish lists around the holidays for elderly without family nearby. Nursing home is low-hanging fruit, moms. I know. You have young kids. They love seeing them. It's so easy. You don't even have to come up with anything to talk about. They just want to see your kids. Yeah. Pat on them, touch them. Yeah. Um, Once Houston could play a Christmas song or two, we'd take him and he'd just go play piano. 
Oh, at that's the nursing great. home, you know, in the in the Christmas year, uh, like two birds Christmas with one season. stone with that yeah. one. Um, there's also something called the Heroes Box where you can heroesbox.org, I think it's called, um, and this is all year long. You can send packages to first responders and military. I love with that. Just little bits of stuff in there. Um, easy to do. Pick out those items together, wrap them, get them in on the giving. Yeah. Pray for talk them. about it. Pray for them while you're packing it up. Oh, yeah. Put a note in there and yeah. say, drop, a, drop in a good word. Yeah. So I have a question for you moms who are listening. Do you have a spirit of abundance or a spirit of lack? All right. This is something that I've just kind of been pondering the, the I don't know, last several years, kind of having a conversation with God about it. Because we had to be really careful with money for many years. There just wasn't a lot of wiggle room in our family budget. But David and I really tried to focus on God's provision and not our lack Hmm. and kind of rely on him um, to kind of fill in the gaps when we when we saw something coming that we thought, ooh, we're not sure how we can do this. So some families who are in the same situation and there's many of us out there have what I call um, a spirit of lack Um, so I think sometimes we think we can't be generous because we don't have extra or we're comparing ourselves to others. Um, we start to think really weird things like shopping retail is somehow superior to finding that bargain at Goodwill or on Facebook marketplace or a yard sale, mm-hmm. um, that we, we feel like we're missing out cause we can't go to the mall and purchase it there. And I just encourage you to just reflect and see, am I living in a spirit of lack or am I living in a spirit of abundance? I had a couple of people who really influenced me in this area. One mom would, um, she had like six kids, hashtag homeschool family. (laughs) And so, you know, they had, that's a lot to feed and clothe and all that. So she would make her list of what she needed and she would pray over it and ask God to provide, um, what they needed for their family. And then she'd go yard sailing. Mm Mm-hmm. We talked about that in the uh, teaching kids about money episode with your husband Mm -hmm. when he was on here, Um, how your perspective and focus towards money makes a real difference. And some families in that situation can say in those, well, we don't have money for that, or we don't have money for this, or we can't go do that, versus let's find how we can stretch this dollar, Mm -hmm. or let's find something free or inexpensive to do. Yes. Um, Which makes it a fun adventure instead of this, what we don't have. Absolutely. I mean, we like, just like I just said with George Mueller, we did not have the money to give away, um, that we wanted to. So we asked God to provide it. We had been giving in small ways. It wasn't like we hadn't been giving. Mm -hmm. You've got to be faithful in small things, but we were like, we think this is aligned with your heart. God, will you just help us be more generous than it's really within our own power right now in Mm -hmm. this season of our life? That's a prayer he wants to say yes to. Yeah, you know that's within his You know. So pray over that grocery list before you go in the store, moms. Pray for that item you need and um, ask God to show you the way. That's so much more fun than just dropping everything in your Amazon cart you want and going about your day and not relying on God. Or just thinking, hey, (laughs) this is another wrong thought, that if I'm supposed to live abundantly, I'm just going to get everything I want right now, (laughs) put it in the car, even if I can't afford it. And then your credit card debt makes you live the opposite of abundantly and puts you under complete bondage. So don't do that either. Yeah. And, and one more thing I'm preaching to myself here, moms, when I'm bringing these things up, because these are um, lessons that I really needed to learn 
there is the flip side of being generous, which is receiving generosity. This was a hard one for me to accept. This is a hard one for a lot of women, I think. So several years ago, I was reflecting on why when someone brought me a meal when I was sick or bought my lunch unexpectedly when we were out, that I immediately, immediately began to think of what I could do for them. Mm -hmm. And I thought, without self-reflection, that I was just being a kind and generous person back. But this was not a kind reciprocal gesture. It was pride. And I'll tell you why. Okay. I did not want to be indebted to someone else. Yeah. I didn't want to owe them anything. I wanted to stand on my own two feet. And God convicted me of that. He just kind of directed my thoughts to so many scriptures about the church, where we're described as a body, where we bear one another's burdens, where we seek the good of others, where we make sacrifices for each other. And we basically do life together. But I wanted my independence. I didn't want to be indebted to anyone. But Paul actually writes in Romans 13 that that there is one legitimate outstanding debt, and that's the debt to love one another. Hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, women in particular also believe this lie that if you accept help, you're weak. Or if you accept help, that meant you, you you weren't good enough to do it on your own. Get that garbage oh, out of there. That no. is such baloney. No one is good enough to do it on our own. None of us mm-hmm. can do it on our own. Um, if you accept help, it's because you realize you got a lot going on and life is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Like, don't beat yourself up about that. No, it's, not, it's actually, once I released myself from that, that lie that I was cooperating with, it was so freeing. It actually gave me such a sense of community with other people. Yeah. And, and in my mind, I could actually kind of picture in my mind's eye, like leaning on that person mm. and needing them. It's, it's so much more beautiful. Right. We don't get wrapped up in wrong ideas and wrong mm, beliefs mm, about things. Mm, no. mm. So I wanted to talk a little bit about first fruits. And this might be a weird term for some of you maybe, but this whole idea of giving the first fruits came from this springtime Jewish feast, which is lined up in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Who reads those? Not a lot of people. (laughs) Sit down for pleasure reading. When I have a few minutes, I just flip them into Leviticus. (laughs) Right. So maybe you haven't heard of first fruits. But no grain was to be harvested at all until the first fruits offering was brought to the Lord. So this illustrates that giving to God uh, was from a grateful heart. And it sets this pattern of giving back to him the first and the best of what he has given to us. I love that. Yes. It's, It's really convicting to think about. And it comes straight from scripture. It's not just Leviticus and Deuteronomy, but Proverbs 3 mentions it too. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. This is sort of similar to that Malachi verse you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. And think about it. Like, I'm not a big gardener, Bonnie, but does the fruit all show up on the vine all at once? No. If you give your first fruits, what do you... What are you banking on? Yeah, you're hoping that there's going to be more to come. <laughs> That's a real active faith. Uh-huh. Um, and then like Ezekiel 44, 30 said, and the first of all the first fruits of all kinds and every offering of all kinds from all your offerings shall belong to the priests. You shall also give to the priests the first of your dough. <laughs> and that may be a blessing to rest on your house. Right. And then up in first Corinthians 15, 23, but each in his own order, Christ, the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to him. So Christ was our example of that fulfilled in the new Testament. He was the first fruits, the first and the best. 
So I was at a sermon a long, long time ago, and they the preacher did this great object lesson. He The minister comes in, and he hauls in this whole box of new potatoes up to the podium, and he had just dug them all from his garden the night before. The dirt was still all over them. He dumps them all out right there up front, and he starts picking through them as he talks about first fruits, which is the first time I had heard about this concept. So he set aside a portion of them, the best ones, the ones with the fewest eyes, the ones without insect damage, and these weird gnarly bumps, because things in nature are not what they look like in the grocery store. If you garden at all, you know that. They're so lumpy true. and weird looking. Weird shaped carrots. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want any of those. We want all only the best. And he sets aside, he says, they, these would have been the first fruits. So when we give... In the spirit of generosity and cheerful giving, we are to give as if we're setting a portion aside for God himself, which we are. And so let's be reminded that it was his in the first place. So mm-hmm. the same goes for when you get a big trunk full of bags and stuff to cart off to Goodwill. Don't even put those raggedy work t-shirts in that bag. <laughs> don't put your son's stinky tennis shoes full of holes. Are you going to wear those? Well, don't give something away that you wouldn't wear yourself. You think you're better than the folks needing something from Goodwill? Right. I loved that sermon and have lived by it ever since. So we can demonstrate this. We can talk about this as we're going through all our toys and our outgrown clothes in our kids' rooms. If the puzzle doesn't have half of the pieces, pitch it. Yeah. Don't foist it off on some child who you think is not going to notice it. They'll notice. (laughs) That's just rude. Uh-huh. It's cruel it, to get yes. through a puzzle and you don't have all the uh, things. Why I give that to someone? No. Yeah. So give the first fruits. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's move to the concept of fair, not fair. Oh, Your this, kids ever say that to you? Oh. That's not fair. Yes. There's the tone. There's the tone. <laughs> so that is a great opportunity, moms, to demonstrate generosity. You can talk about how fair is not the same as equal, and you will be ahead of the rest of the United States, who also (laughs) does not understand this concept. (laughs) Preach it. Okay. So siblings often want to weigh and measure portions, so each one is exactly the same, because it's obvious that if mom gave your brother a cupcake with an extra teaspoon of icing, he loves you more. Mm, So sad for you. (laughs) No, not yeah. true. So fair is actually a measure of justice. So it's fair if your brother gets extra dessert as a surprise reward for taking out the trash when you were floppy and rolling your eyes when you were asked to do it. <laughs> that's that's fair. <laughs> is it equal? No. No. We always talked about fair in our house, the way it worked in reverse. So how is fair working in your favor um, in most cases? So is it fair? You can run when your friend at school is in a wheelchair. Is it Ooh, that's a hard one. <laughs> oh my goodness. Kind of harsh. Is it fair that it's easy for you to read when dyslexia makes it a struggle for your sister? Mm, yeah. So fairness is not part of the generosity equation. Generosity is actually the opposite of fair. It's giving freely and cheerfully over and above what's due. I mean, I was, that's how I was looking at all the transactions in my life was what's due. Okay. They gave me, they owe. brought me dinner. So now what's due. Right. I owe them. Uh, So God throws all that fairness talk out the window. So when you hear the it's not fair refrain, go back to teaching, modeling, and encouraging generosity. Mm, I love that. So the ugly unspoken sentiment of complaints about fairness goes back to entitlement. We said this in our gratefulness podcast, Uh too. uh Remember that Veruca Salt character in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Oh, 
She's so annoying. So, ugh. She's demanding a goose that lays golden eggs, and she's pouty and spoiled, and she says, I won't talk to you ever again. You're a rotten, mean father. You never give me anything I want. I want it now. Oh. So, yeah. But that's not what we want. Nobody wants a kid or an adult. No. Nobody wants to be around any of those people. Yeah, so entitlement is all about me and what I deserve to have. And generosity is all about someone else and what I can give them. Don't be, how do you say her name? Veruca Salt. Salt. Think of that, the reason he called her that. Think about salty. Oh, because she's salty. Yeah. Yeah. I do love salt. What does that (laughs) say about me? I digress. (laughs) Keep talking, Bonnie. Keep talking. No comment. No comment. (laughs) Well, our job as parents and in a lifetime process of following Christ's example is to have that second worldview and perspective. We need to work on that in ourselves. I do. And let it overflow generously to our kids. Yeah, so here's some questions for you moms. Are you opening your home regularly? Are you giving to the church? When you hear of a need, do you contribute in some way? Okay, listen, we all have seasons of life. There was a season of life where I had way more time to offer than I did money. Mm-hmm. Um, or I had a talent I could offer mm-hmm. instead of money. Um, but there are also seasons of life where you can offer money or possessions. That's so right. just be creative in the way you think about how you could be generous. Sure. Well, Christ came so we could live life abundantly, not with a stingy, miserly, scrunched up scowl, clinging to things with this suspicious desperation. We're not going to have enough. Yeah. And also just another expression of generosity is having a generous spirit. How about being quick to forgive, slow to condemn others, being kind, bearing with each other, giving each other the benefit of the doubt, showing grace and mercy. All of that is generosity. That's somebody I want to be around. That's who I want to be. That's who I want to be too. Well, we talked about Christmas being a great season to practice generosity with material things and giving of time, for example. But it might also be a great practice field for this generosity of spirit that we were just talking about too. Okay, now you're going to start to meddle. All right, go ahead. Lay <laughs> it on me. When you're around a house full of relatives or at a company party, when you're fighting the crowds in the parking lots, and when there's too many events on the calendar and your spouse works late again. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Are you quick to forgive? Slow to condemn? <laughs> Are you giving the benefit of the doubt? Are you showing grace and mercy? That's a little harder. It is. It is. So, and we know, like all the different virtues, Generosity can come easier for some temperaments than for others, but our standard remains the same. So if this is difficult for your child, take the long view, moms. Work on generosity after the presents have been opened just as much as leading up to the holiday. Work on it week in and week out and look and see if this year you see a change from last year, not this week to last week. That's a great point. Yeah. What are you doing better? Mm-hmm. in six months or one month that you couldn't do six months or one month ago. Yeah. So I'm just, just so I'll tell you, I'm grateful to have been married to one of the most generous people I know back when we didn't have, you know, lots of extra money and we'd go out to dinner, like the once a month we could go out to dinner. I was always surprised at how generous David was with, with the tip mm. and I would have been stingy with it. And just year after year of watching him be generous with the tip, all the joy that it brought him, right? the joy that it brought the server. Sure. And, um, and honestly, the workman is worth their wages. Mm-hmm. They, they're counting on that. So 
surrounding yourself with some people who are generous or just looking to them can really make a big difference. It does. Changes your perspective. It, it really does. I would say now I am characterized by being generous and that is very much due in part to seeing it modeled in my husband. I would agree. I would agree for us too. Yeah, your husband's super generous. So he, so and he's generous. Same thing. He's taught me because maybe it's his only child thing. He didn't have to share so much and I came from a big family. So I'm like, hey, I want that piece of chicken. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> but yeah. that's so funny, though. I, I think he, he must be naturally inclined, though, because you think of only children. You always think of they don't know how to share because mm-hmm. they never had to share. Yeah. So but he, I think he just lives out just, of abundance. Mm-hmm. He, he's always had that. There's enough pieces of the pie to go around. If not, we can just make another pie. That's right. That's right. There's enough seats at the table. Join us. So I want to close with a quote from George Mueller. Um, it says this. The Christian should never worry about tomorrow or give sparingly because of a possible future need. Only the present moment is ours to serve the Lord, and tomorrow may never come. Life is worth as much as it is spent for the Lord's service. Mm. I love that. I just, his perspective, he's probably one of the most influential dead people <laughs> in my life. Yeah. I mean, I read that book and I was never the same again. Mm. I, I really admire his reliance on the Lord to be extravagantly generous. I love that. So there's lots of different ways to be generous, moms. Get creative with your kids. It's a great adventure. Yeah, it's, it's fun. And it makes you feel better. And it's good for your health. Mm-hmm. All the, all the, all good the things. things. So you can take a look at our website for all of these notes at justaskyourmom.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram and take five seconds to rate and review the podcast and share us with your friends and family. And send us your topic suggestions. We're coming up on the new year. Give us some fresh ideas, yeah, moms. We want to hear from you. Send them to us at justaskyourmompodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time on Just, Just Ask, Ask Your Mom. Mom.